The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by DraftKings. We love DraftKings for a million different reasons. We also love all of the unbelievable promotions and offers they have for you guys always. Just use the code Ross. And while you're at it, follow at Ross Tucker NFL and at Ross Tucker Pod on every single social media platform on which you reside. We much appreciate when you do that. You can also always check us out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Naming the last three participants, contestants, if you will, in the DraftKings best ball draft going against me and Joe Dolan on tomorrow's Fantasy Feast podcast. Get excited, get fired up, and get your entry in. Take advantage of any of the sponsors. Get it in so you have a chance, a good chance, to go ahead and go against me and Joe in a DraftKings best ball draft. The star of this show is Steve Fezzik. Always has been, always will be. Check him out on social media, at Fezzik Sports. Absolutely love every time I get a chance to talk to Steve on this show. Much to get into, Steve, for sure. Last week, Dan Bach was phenomenal. I'm loving having all these different guys that are really studs in the industry come on and give us some of their bets, some of their logic. And today is no different as we will have Drew Dinsick join us. Um, from NBC Sports, but I didn't even know that's where Drew was right now. So, Drew, Drew, I got a lot of questions. Drew's Wait, here. We got Steve. <laughs> I, I got a lot of questions, and you can follow Drew on social at whale underscore capper. So, the first one, Drew, is that a fake background? Or is that <laughs> I like to think of it as aspirational. Uh, I went through uh, some interior design looking for man cave inspirations, came across this uh, this kind of uh, a cigar lounge, wine cave kind of a theme from a place up in uh, Vancouver, saved it, uh, and now now it's aspirational. So once I get done with the actual man cave here, I, I hope it will look at this cool. God, okay, so that's just – because I was like, that's got to <laughs> be a background. That looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's, there's probably several – 
thousand hundreds of thousands of dollars of wine in this man cave but uh, <laughs> yeah, i i can't i can't claim to have something quite that cool so drew i didn't know um i didn't know you were the nbc sports bet now how long have you been doing that yeah they uh, pulled me in uh last year to do uh handicapping of the nba during the um during the bubble restart and then um it went well they you know, pulled me in to do some spot stuff during the nfl season uh, i'm i'm nba handicapper NFL handicapper and then tennis. Those are sort of the three areas I tend to focus on. Uh, and then they started doing ba- daily stuff this uh, spring. Sarah Perlman uh, hosts hosting the podcast. I just provide sort of the analysis and um, and it's been a gig going now for about three months. And it's been more fun than I would have hoped uh, da- doing daily content, talking about sports betting, getting to interview people who are, uh, you know, either not entirely in the sports betting world, but kind of like on the border and, and uh, interesting folks. It's been a ton of fun so far. So, okay, I got a lot of questions now. One of which is out of NBA, NFL, and tennis, I'm sure you track it. Uh, how, how do they go for you in terms of profitability, those three? Is there a well, ranking? Yeah, but tennis number one by far, but based purely on volume. Um, my, I would say – if you only let me have one, I would stick with NFL just because I love the NFL as a sport more. <laughs> it's not it's it's by far my favorite to watch on top of the handicapping. Um, but there's just not nearly enough volume to really kind of make as much of a dip, an impact uh, from a bankroll standpoint. Tennis, uh, you know, you have matches right now. There are three tournaments going on all around the world, one in Sweden, one in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, and then I'm not really following the third tournament, so it's escaping me off. Top. Oh, Hamburg, Germany, Hamburg, Germany, Bastad, Sweden, and uh, and Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, you know, if you have five, ten matches a day, uh, you know, over the beginning course of the week, uh, it's very tough to make efficient markets there. There's really high liquidity worldwide in the tennis markets, uh, and so that's been kind of the most consistent edge to grind out over the years. Uh, sports betting, NBA is. Very, very hard. <laughs> I don't think I need to tell anyone that. It's extremely difficult to beat the NBA consistently, um, you know, particularly this you know, last season with the uncertainty of injuries and, you know, the COVID stuff. But, um, but I'm, you know, I still like to do that from a volume standpoint. It can grind out a smaller edge there. Uh, and then NFL, of course, is, you know, first, first love, uh, first sport I really kind of sunk into, you know, and, and got me into sports betting in the first place. So uh, that's my favorite. But obviously, I only have maybe, I think I'll have maybe 120-ish bets over the course of an NFL season where I could do that in a month in tennis easily. Interesting, Steve. What do you think of that? You know, one aspect of tennis, and I, I want to disclose, it's one of the Sports I very rarely get involved with, but live betting. Think about the NBA Finals. Giannis comes down wrong on his knee. Boom! Immediately, all the live lines off the board. All right, can't play it. We got to evaluate what's going on. I can only imagine in Hamburg, you could literally have someone blow out their hamstring, and there's probably a good five minute delay as they're hobbling around the court to make the proper adjustments because nobody is watching those sports. So huge edge for those who are live betting, if nothing else, just cherry picking injuries. Have you found that to be true, Drew? Yeah, but it's gotten, people have gotten good at that. (laughs) I don't think that's a secret. (laughs) There's not, you know, there, I guess, I, maybe in the context of a Wimbledon or a French Open or a U.S. Open, you're never going to be for, first to that information. But uh, in some of these smaller tournaments, you might. Um, but current, you know, having eyes on current form, you know, it's even someone who's handicapping daily, 
I'm not getting eyes on every single player, every single match. And there are small things. Um, you know, a, a blown hammy uh, would probably end a guy's tournament run. Um, but a smaller injury that he just had to take a quick little five-minute timeout for. And, oh, it's taken him off of his service timing. And now he's double faulting. You know, the, picking up the small stuff like that is huge. And, and to your point, I think there are people worldwide who probably their career is literally live trading tennis. You know, buying low and selling high at, at key uh, you know, high leverage moments of the match, you can uh, you can arbitrage some pretty uh, spectacular edges that way. Steve, you've ne- we've been doing this show for like six years, seven years, maybe. I don't know that you've ever mentioned tennis before. Have we ever talked about tennis? It's just a matter of you can't do all sports at once. I always spoke about specialization, and frankly, I'm a little embarrassed because tennis is extremely profitable. I mean, I don't know of anyone that loses betting tennis. I know lots of smart guys that put in the work and will have losing NFL seasons. I'll go on an extreme. I will say Drew Dinsick has never had a losing tennis year his entire sports betting career. Am I right, Drew? Uh, The first season I did it, betting regularly, I didn't know what I was doing and I did not have a winning season. But but to kind of go to your point, it's the perfect handshake for the NFL because the NFL starts to wind down around New Year's. That's when the tennis season really starts in Australia. You have an Australian Open, which is going on when there's only like two or three football games in, in the playoffs to, to be concerned about. And then it really peaks throughout the spring and summer as they're going through Europe. Uh, and then it winds down. I stopped betting tennis uh, at the U.S. Open, which, if you don't already know, is right around Labor Day when NFL picks back up. So it's a de- it's a really decent sort of handshake sport in terms of kind of complementing your calendar if you want really only want to focus on one thing. So is that how you do it, Drew? Do, like during football season, September through February, are you NFL? And then, yeah. I guess that I, can't, I guess you're not just into one sport because you're in the NBA and tennis at the same time. Yeah, but but w- I, when I first started uh, really getting serious and you know you know uh, paying more attention to markets and limit betting and things like that, I, it was NFL tennis only. And then I incorporated some NBA after that just because it felt like there were a couple of angles that I had once I had enough data. Uh, to really try to nail down some some angles, but uh, it it's still at this point. It's I I uh, learned an early valuable lesson. Like if I'm if you threw me in a pool and said, "Hey, go handicap this uh, college football at the same time as you're doing an NFL," I, I would be I would get wiped. I would I would lose, and I know it. And it's just because I can't. I don't care as much about the college game. I don't. I can't follow you know, the 90 players on every roster and all of the, uh, you know, all the information that there is to handicap college and also handicap NFL in a week. And so I just, I know better than to, to try to do two heavy duty sports lifting at once. Well, here's what I know. Viagra should not cost $90. Great segue by you there, Drew. RexMPs.com <laughs> has FDA approved generic Viagra starting at just $2 per tablet and delivered discreetly to your door. Just fill out a brief survey, and if appropriate, you can try a starter pack of generic Viagra. Let me just say for the record here, I don't take Viagra yet, but if there ever becomes a time where I will need Viagra, I will absolutely do it. I'll take Viagra like it's my job. And I will get it from Rex MD because they've made the process fast, easy, and affordable. Don't wait another minute. Rex MD is now offering starter packs. I love it. Get you hooked on it of generic Viagra for new customers. Visit RexMD.com slash even money right now to get started. 
That's Rex, R-E-X-M-D.com slash even money. Drew, let's dive into some of your bets. Um, some of the season win totals that you would still play. Um, you like New England under nine and a half at plus 100. Tell me about it. Yeah, not in love with this roster. Uh, this is a six, seven win roster by my calculations. And I'll give Belichick maybe an extra win on top of that just because I have that much respect for him. But nine uh, to nine and a half is a heavy ask. And uh, I don't, you know, it's tough for me to really point beyond uh, the quarterback situation and, and say that there is uh, a vision here for how to run this offense that can compete with the best of the um, of the NFL t- nowadays. And I know kind of one of the the clear arcs over the last preseason offseason uh, was sort of this imbalance of power here. Right. The AFC is just continuing to get better. And all of the good quarterback play is consolidating in the AFC. And the Patriots are going to have to go through all a lot of these teams. Uh, obviously, the key, you know, the, the team to beat now in the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. They got better this offseason. I, I, it's tough for me to point to anything uh, that happened with their coaching and their personnel that would be a downgrade from their, you know, their, their metrics from last year. Um, and, you know, the, the Patriots really uh, are built a way that may have won football games in the you know, in the 2000s and the 2010s, maybe. Um, but uh, for today's NFL, if you don't have uh, the ability to pass your way back into the game, if you are down more than a score, then I don't know that you're compiling wins. So the Patriots are probably the one team that I think is probably the most mispriced across the board right now. Uh, and uh, I don't mind still betting, you know, hammering away at their uh, season win total under. Steve? I think there's an opportunity with the Patriots and Drew, of course, is, is shopping and he's finding the very best line, the under nine and a half even money. Good for him. And that certainly is out there. What's happened with the Patriots, there's a narrative. Oh, the quarterback play can't get worse. Never mind that the quarterback play is lousy. Um, they solved their problem by picking up skilled position players and they had all these guys that opted out for COVID that are coming back. So they're going to be better. I agree with all that. They're still they're going to be better. That doesn't mean they're going to win ten games, however. So I absolutely agree with Drew. And I, but I do think, like a lot of other teams, people like to bet overs in the NFL, especially when there's narratives that teams are going to be good. And there is that narrative out there. And Belichick is the genius. And because of that, I think this is one. If you wait until ten minutes before the NFL season kicks off you're probably going to get your best number, New England, to go under. I kind of feel like if I was a genius, I wouldn't have alienated the greatest quarterback of all time. That's just me. <laughs> um, but but I probably wouldn't have done that. He probably should have put his genius hat on before that conversation. Uh, let's get to Cleveland. Over 10 and a half. Uh, you like Cleveland over 10 and a half, Drew. Yeah, I'm high on this team. Actually, as I kind of break down my numbers, uh, I have the margin between them and the Kansas City Chiefs a heck of a lot closer than the market. Uh, Right now, sort of the average power ranking for the Chiefs, if you sort of break down the look ahead lines as we head into the season, they're about a plus seven. Um, So seven points better than an average team, whereas Cleveland is about a plus three and a half. Uh, I am not that 
three and a half points separating between these two teams, considering what they, you know, what their off seasons looked like. Uh, Kansas City, I know, uh, you know, has a preternatural ability to come back in games because of the play of Patrick Mahomes. His, he is never out of a game. I completely acknowledge that. I bet on them live down multiple scores many times, and it's always been uh, an especially enjoyable experience, except for the Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, and I, but at the same time, you know, expecting them to kind of get comfortable wins throughout this very, very difficult schedule, particularly early, uh, is, is tough for me to kind of wrap my head around. Cleveland, on the other hand, has, I think, a very favorable schedule. Uh, not, you know, I, I was sort of struggling with um, Baltimore or Cleveland, who is really the, the, the better team uh, in the AFC North this year until we saw the schedule. And I was kind of surprised, uh, blown away, I guess, as maybe a more fair statement, that the NFL really kind of put a scheduled loss on this, uh, on this run here for Baltimore in week 14. Uh, Baltimore obviously has a notoriously tough time recovering from the Pittsburgh head-to-heads. Uh, those are very physical games. Obviously, no love lost between those two teams. Uh, and what did they do? They sandwiched that at Pittsburgh game for Baltimore in between a home game against Cleveland and a road game against Cleveland. Meanwhile, Cleveland gets that week by. So you have two, you know, this weird, you know, funny wrinkle where Cleveland uh, gets a very soft start to their schedule. In fact, from week two to week nine, they only leave home to go to Minnesota and the LA Chargers. Uh, and then they have this week 12 spot where if they can get that win at Baltimore, then they go into their bye, they get a week recovery, Baltimore goes and plays Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland hosts Baltimore in the second of those two head-to-heads. So that little wrinkle right there in the schedule, to me, tilts the advantage in the AFC North in favor of Cleveland. Um, and... You know, this is even kind of, you know, this is this is without even really getting into the fact that you have a second year now behind a, a very, very capable head coach in, in Stefanski. Uh, you have another year of progression for uh, for Baker Mayfield now with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. coming back off of injury. Uh, a very solid running game, which means you can gain the leads by passing and you can put away the leads on the back of your strong rushing attack and your, your absolute uh, unit of an offensive line. Uh, and then this defense is not your 2020 Cleveland Browns defense. They have made upgrades at every level of the defense, in my opinion. Uh, you've got Jadavian Clowney now to kind of provide a little bit of a spell uh, from Miles Garrett getting double teamed on the defensive line, and your secondary is wildly improved. They stole a couple of very, very good players in free agency to complement uh, some players like Denzel Ward, who I think are pretty capable in the secondary. So I think you're talking about a defense that has a pretty clear potential to be top 10 uh, and an offense and an offensive coach and an offensive scheme uh, that, uh, to me, looks like a top 10 unit. So uh, Cleveland, to me, is is uh, pretty clearly in the same conversation as Kansas City as among the best in the AFC uh, and lining them as a, you know, a plus three and a half power number uh, 10, 10 and a half win team uh, is giving them a little bit of short change. So you like them. I mean, I'm looking at your note to me. You like the over, you like them to win the AFC North at plus money, 145. And even you got some win the AFC at plus 900. Yeah, and obviously those are correlated. <laughs> there's for sure. There's some there's some correlation here, and if it goes sideways, all of these go sideways. So I'll I'll own that at the top here. But they start the season playing against Kansas City, so you kind of have your most important game in terms of shortening these prices happening week one. 
Uh, and that is, I think, a very interesting spot because if you can come out and surprise Kansas City week one, all of a sudden, nine to one to win the AFC is not going to be there anymore. That's going to get short real quickly. And, you know, whoever has, you know, we know it from last year, whoever can get the inside track to the, the only buy in the AFC is going to have a huge advantage this year because the AFC is stacked. Uh, and if that happens to be Cleveland, because they can, you know, get a head to head win against Kansas City and then uh, obviously have those kind of two nice spots against Baltimore, which is their their other two toughest games on their schedule, then uh, I think they can uh, they're going to be the surprise surprise in the AFC this year. So uh, some correlation there. But again, you know, if you're if you're shopping the futures price market, you're looking for optimal entry, right? You want to bet a number that is going to get shorter between now and when the, uh, you know, the business end of the playoffs get here. And for me, Cleveland is the no brainer in that regard, because uh, after that, uh, you know, after that uh, Kansas City game, uh, things get, you know, downright favorable for them. Um, you have Houston, Chicago, Minnesota, Chargers, Arizona, Denver, Pittsburgh, all three in a row at home. Uh, so, you know, you could enter sort of week nine of the season. And if you've got that Casey win in your pocket, you're talking about a, you know, seven and one, uh, eight and no type of team. Steve, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. You are not as high on the Browns as some of our guests appear to be. Well, I'm high on them. I love the the Browns roster. I agree with everything Drew's saying about improvement. I will say that the one problem with betting on a team like the Browns, and I know it's July and we're still two months away, but that season win was ten. You had ten out there. You should have. You should have had. Nothing has changed. Everything's identical to what what it was a few months ago. So we're missing out on the best number. That means we're missing out like forty five cents of value. That doesn't mean it's not still a good bet. However, um, there's a lot to like about Cleveland. I will say this. Drew has given you an implied bet with his analysis because I would say the number one reason that he likes Cleveland is the roster, but the number two reason he's identified a tremendous spot, the second game against Baltimore. Well, for God's sakes, go and bet the game of the year and lay two and a half (laughs) Cleveland hosting Baltimore right now because over the next six months, everyone listens to the whale capper. He's big. And that is going to be identified. People have that big red circle. That's going to be my game of the year. And so that line's going to get inflated because the story is so damn good. Bet it now before anyone else bets it. Lay the two and a half at the Westgate game of the year at some other spots right now. And I love that analysis. It's interesting, Drew. Last week, uh, Dan Bach from Roto Grinders gave us the argument for the Bucks to be under 11 and a half wins. You like the Bucs to win the NFC plus 300, so you're on the totally opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah, and again, this is, this goes much more into the philosophy that I was laying out before, which is like get ahead of the, the market move on the number, right? The Bucks start off the season in with a very, very favorable uh, you know, kind of soft landing, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, they obviously get Dallas at home. Banner night, you get extended rest before you got to play Atlanta. Uh, and then a handful of games where you have some young coaches, new quarterbacks. You got Miami on here. You got Philly on here. You got Chicago on here. You got New England on here. You know, that you could potentially face a first or second year quarterback uh, four weeks in a row from week five to week seven. And if you saw what the Tampa Bay defense did to Pat Mahomes, you don't think they're licking their chops to play a quarterback who's kind of taking his first snaps in the NFL. Uh, you know, you're, you're crazy. So it's, it's again, it's, it's kind of the perfect storm here where Tampa has sort of a nice, 
first seven weeks to their schedule and can get off to a six and one seven oh type of start and because of what they did last year winning the super bowl because there's sort of an anchoring that they you know tom brady can do it again and, you know there, there's enough narrative there that i think you're going to see the market react relatively quickly if it does go well for them and then the flip side of that is true for basically everyone else in the nfc like after you go by Tampa Bay, like my next power rated team in the NFC is the Rams and they are like in the seven, eight ish range. So there's a pretty decent gap here. And I can, and you know, just looking at the Rams schedule, looking at some of the other, you know, the, the NFC West is going to be extremely competitive. Uh, you know, they're going to exchange losses over the course of the first half of the season. The NFC East looks like an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, good luck picking whoever emerges from that you know, mess of a, of a conference. And then, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers, kind of the class of the NFC North, have a ton of questions on top of an extremely difficult schedule. So I think uh, if, you know, if you, when you look at sort of the NFC standings midseason, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have a clear, clear advantage in the driver's seat to get the, uh, the sole buy. Uh, and because of that, I think this three and three to one is going to shorten pretty aggressively. Steve? Boy, this is really strong analysis, and I agree with it in terms of it's not how good Tampa Bay is. It's how good is Tampa Bay versus the rest of the NFC. And, you know, Drew brought up, like, oh, the Rams are like a seven-ish. And, of course, he's referring to, like, he's got them as his seventh-best team. But you've got the Rams, you've got San Francisco, and you've got Seattle. I would make the case those are the three best other teams in the NFC right now with the uncertainty of Rodgers. Well, they all reside in the same division, and Arizona's pretty good also. So those teams are going to beat the heck out of each other while you know Tampa Bay gets some cupcakes. And because of that, they have such a better path towards the number one seed that even though Kansas City and Buffalo, you can easily throw a blanket over them versus Tampa Bay – the path for Tampa Bay is so much easier than the AFC teams. Interesting. Um, by the way, speaking of paths, when I'm on paths, I wear these bad boys. I wear camo Crocs because I'm a Croc star. It's time to put on your favorite pair of Crocs and channel your inner fortune teller. How about this? Your prediction might make you $10,000 richer. Don't have Crocs? Visit Crocs.com. Take your pick of wildly comfortable and lightweight clogs, sandals, slides. I got them all. You can personalize with gibbets, charms. Take your pick of styles that are straight fire and make your feet feel like 10000 bucks. There is nothing better that feels better on your feet. I've tried everything. I was steering 25 pounds for a long portion of my life. <laughs> Trust me. Speaking of, the Crocs Hoops Draft Prediction Challenge is coming. How about DraftKings? How about my boys at DraftKings having a sponsorship with Crocs for me? I love you guys. And we say free to play on DraftKings.com. Make all the right picks and a slice of 10 Gs could be yours. Just enter the game page on draft day and see just how well your pick predictions hold up to the real one. At the end of the draft, winners will be paid out cold, hard cash based on how many you guessed right. So visit DraftKings dot com slash crocs on thursday july 29th to make your basketball draft predictions we hope your future is full of comfort and possibly full of money learn more at draftkings.com slash crocs eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details just curious drew i wasn't going to ask you this because we mainly talk nfl here 
Do you do really well? I mean, Steve and I talk all the time about how well we do on the NFL draft. Is the NBA draft kind of the same thing? Like, are you are you heavy into betting the NBA draft? And is it as easy to do well on the NBA draft as it is on the NFL draft or no? Not there. They might as well be two totally different handicaps. I, it's crazy to me because the NBA draft, it's it's, sun, it's somewhat sudden. There's not as much information sharing and there's not consensus among the teams and clubs really as far as who who deserves to be a lottery pick. And, uh, you know, preference is so much more div- div- diverse. Filling need is so much uh, so much more difficult to pinpoint uh, in the NBA than the NFL. NFL, you're starting already with uh, some knowledge. Uh, Philadelphia is going to try to address their needs at wide receiver and at cornerback. Like you are already looking at a narrow pool of the, whom they may take at any given position, right? Similarly, uh, Cincinnati, they need O-line, they need wide receiver. Like there's only two players that could they possibly could take. But the NBA, it's, it is so much more a matter of preference and the information is a little bit tighter for whatever reason. Uh, I think there's enough people in sort of the NFL draft um, information marketplace that they can they get more of it out there you know they extract more there's you know you see mock drafts in starting in february they go all the way through the draft you know and they continue to kind of improve the discourse around it and so i feel like uh, the nfl draft is one of my more profitable weeks of the year every year and the nba draft if i come out with a winning weekend it's because i happened to get a note from somebody who's like close to the celtics and was like hey they are especially high on this guy they're not going to let him go past them and he happens to be in you know that that right draft number so it's it's more it's a lot more uh, uh you know it's a lot more luck on the nba draft in my opinion than the nfl and in the nfl draft by example you've mentioned the Bengals. they're going to take a wide receiver or an o-lineman well, the day of the draft, Chase is walking around with tiger stripe <laughs> sneakers on his feet. That's probably a pretty good tell. The Bengals are going wide receiver. Hey, one more bonus. Uh, best bet because you're so high in the Browns, Drew. Um, Drew mentioned that his, his power rating in the Browns is better than the market. The market is power rating them like three and a half points better than an average team. And it turns out over a 17-game season, that's worth about 60 points. You'd outscore your opponent's. You got to score your opponents by 60 points. That's worth about two wins. So eight and a half up to 10 and a half. That's what the season win line is in sync with that power rating that Drew mentioned. Week seven, I'm sorry, week December 19th. I don't know if it's week 13. The um, the Browns are hosting my Las Vegas Raiders. I just bet this a week ago. I laid five and a half. This is the most non-power rated line I think I've ever seen. Because think about it. If the Browns are five points better than an average team, they should be laying five against an average team. The Raiders are a below average team, and the game's in Cleveland in the wintertime for a desert team. This line should close 10. You can still lay six. A little bonus best bet on a game of the year on the Browns, a team we're really high on. Yeah, no disagreement for me. And the Raiders in general, uh, they have – their decision making uh, to basically gut the offensive line when you have a quarterback who, you know, he's Jekyll and Hyde, depending on his interior pass protection. Uh, the decision to then jettison all of those key players, I think, is going to be a huge, huge, huge mistake for them. Uh, and any 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 bullishness on Derek Carr went out the window the minute uh, Hudson got cut, in my mind. Last bet uh, I want to get from you, Drew. Denver. To win the AFC West plus 500, is this strictly an Aaron Rodgers flyer or is there it's, more to it than that? 
It's a little more to it than that. This is the most complete roster outside the quarterback position uh, in the conference. I mean, in the division, I would say. In the division, most complete roster. Um, and I... I am some, I just needed to find some way somehow to kind of have a more clear angle of attack on Kansas city being sort of this auto crowned AFC West champion. Um, the Denver Broncos to me, at least uh, have a very, very strong offensive line, incredible weapons in the passing game. And uh, you know, a, a pretty clear top 10 defense from a personnel standpoint, uh, particularly their past defense, which they upgraded this last off season. Uh, and, they, they, you know, really the way that they, these lines have been made, the way they're power rated, the way their win total is lined, is expecting that Drew Locke is the thirty-second best quarterback in the NFL. Like he, he would have to be that low for them to, for any of this to make sense. And I, I guess having learned a hard lesson being a Josh Allen doubter, I'm a, like a little bit more willing to kind of allow for the idea that Drew Locke can somehow improve his accuracy over the course of one season on top of the fact that uh, he was working with, uh, you know, Jordan Palmer. He was working with Josh Allen. He specifically identified what the biggest weakness in his game is. And you have heard some somewhat positive reports coming out of camp that don't sound like nonsense. Like if people were generally going into this, you know, the, the mini camp expecting, you know, oh, I think Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be the starter. And they came out and they were like, wow, Drew Locke was surprisingly good. And I guess I'm willing to take a flyer at a price like five to one or better on this Broncos team just to capture the 20% chance that Drew Locke is this year's Josh Allen. And he truly did transform his game in some way, specifically his ability to throw accurate passes. Um, Jerry Judy, likely performs a lot better this season in a vacuum just because it's his second year and he's a young receiver. Uh, Cortland Sutton coming back is being forgotten about as a legitimate wide receiver one in the NFL. Uh, and he's got an outs outstanding uh, tight end to go to and Noah Fant also. So the, the pieces are kind of all there in place for sort of a, a Josh Allen 2020 redux here for Drew Locke. Uh, and if it turns out that he really is, uh, you know, not a not a cal you know, NFL caliber starting quarterback, then you know five to one isn't the worst flyer in the world anyway. Steve, what do you think? Well, if Locke is a no show again, I mean Bridgewater had my twenty fourth best quarterback, so certainly Denver <laughs> would go with them if Locke was bad. There's a five percent chance they get Rodgers, and then that bet becomes really good. Personally, uh, you need Kansas City to win less than eleven games to win this bet. I'd rather just bet Kansas City on an alternative total if you're going to fade Casey. Go at Circa, I think, and get under 11 plus 210. So I, I would rather do that because if Kansas City wins 10 games, they're still going to be a, a pretty big favorite to beat Denver in the division. So, and it's possible that it's possible with a coach the Chargers could suddenly win 12 games also. So I think the way I get at it is the alternative total on KC under. Check out at whale underscore capper on social media. As you can tell, Drew is an absolute stud. Would love to have him on the show again. I could listen. I do well on NFL betting. I don't know how because I could just listen to these guys go back and forth on the numbers all day. So impressive. Uh, other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. 
A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 